Hello and welcome to the Fencing Podcast. I'm Gavin. I'm Kate. And I'm Sean. And it's we're back again, guys, for another fun-filled, uh, wall-to-wall, action-packed uh, marathon of fencing. Days and days and days, oodles of fencing, an entire country of fencing, let's put it that way. Wow, that's some, some bold promises there, Gav. Yes. Um, I hope you can back them up. Kate, yeah. see, see how lovely our sponsors are. They're so lovely. Uh, how they, lovely? They are, they are fabulously lovely. There you go. Oh, that's good. I like that. You're welcome. I like that very yeah. much. So uh, that's, and what about our... Are, that's Leon Paul, our sponsors, and our... <laughs> oh, yeah that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Probably better mention who they are, yeah. And yes. the uh, equally lovely Patreon supporters. Um, they are official fencing wizards. I've given them mm. that. That's their <laughs> that's, official wow. title. We should make stickers with what? it, I think. I am a fencing yeah, wizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a bad idea, actually. You're welcome. Send them all, uh, oh, that's a good send idea. Them all a sticker saying, I, I am a fencing wizard. Yeah. This is all good timing because I'm you actually something there. I, I'm actually doing a, a Lord of the Rings reread, so it's kind of good timing for me for all talk about wizards. You can be a resident expert in what constitutes a wizard. <laughs> well, I'll uh, I'll give Leon Paul a bit of a plug here. I just bought some new um, blades from them because there's a new rule for I don't know if it's for well it's definitely saber. Uh, everyone has to have marriage in blades, uh, hmm. so they got the they don't have the Z Pro blades which I loved. Um, they don't have them anymore, so I had to get the Apex blades, and I was sort of mm, not sure these aren't the things I normally play with, and uh, they're really good. <laughs> they're really nice, wow. so I've not got an issue with them. Excellent! Yay! Well Excellent. done, Liam well, Paul. Congratulations, <laughs> Saber people, uh, on joining the rest of the fencing population in poverty. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but that's that's not actually true though, because all right, so. Managing saber blades are going to be a lot more expensive than the non-managing ones. Mm-hmm. However, how often do you break a saber blade, Kate? Roughly. You say that I actually uh, I did break one recently. Um, no. But the fact that that stands out in your mind rather than going, <laughs> well, three three this month. You'd have to wire them. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> and that's the other. Upside, that's the other yeah. thing. Yeah. There's yeah. no glue. There's no wires. No chains. People. You just it's either it's either on or off, isn't it? It's either yeah. in one piece or not. And you don't do this. You don't. You don't go. I'm going to stab my opponent. Crack! Oh my god, that's two hundred pounds. <laughs> None of them are two hundred pounds. Well, yeah, just feels like it, it when does, you hand it, it over. Does. The it cash. Feels, yeah, it feels like it feels like a kick in the wallet, so to speak. I think mm. it was. Uh, oh, I can't remember who it was at the sale. It must have been. Oh, who was it we were talking about this recently? I think it was Sam McClellan, actually, or someone of that age, either him or Toby. Uh, first competition, and they broke a blade, and they didn't realise that blades break, and that's what happened, and just floods of tears. All right. Oh, <laughs> like, no. I, I finished this. I <laughs> Sam. That sounds like oh. a Sam thing. <laughs> but yeah, he may, I think he was 12 at the time. Bless, Bless him. him. What was he then, only 10 feet tall? <laughs> yeah. And, and and for and for the for those of you out there in, in Radio Land, Sam's a very tall individual. Yes, he is. Yes. Yeah. He's a very good saber ref and he's very tall. Yes, indeed. He's a very nice yeah. man. He has other defining features, but yeah, yes. he is quite tall. So should we talk about some actual fencing? Actual um, fencing. Because uh, there's been more of that. Uh, and there was quite a lot of it going on in Cairo at the Cadet and Junior Worlds. And I watched some of it and um, hopefully you guys watched some of the other bits. Mm-hmm. Um, should we do it in the same order that the the events happen? So that means, Kate, you're first up with uh, all the saber action. 
all of the saber action. Well, so well, probably not all of it. No. Just the bits that you watched. The bits then, I watched. Or the bits that you thought were, or the bits that you thought were interesting. Want to tell us about anyway? Okay, the key point. The key, I'm going to start off with the the best points of it was the men's saber final, uh, junior men's saber final. The teams, teams or the individual teams, teams. final. I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I think that must for me that's the the match of the whole competition was Egypt beating Russia, and mm. it's it's not. There wasn't. It wasn't that sort of. Oh, Russia just weren't having a good day. There's some really good performers in there, but Egypt just every single fight they brought their A game, and it's amazing to watch. And I think that's. I don't know what's the history of it, but I don't think they've had a great result that I can remember. But it's amazing to watch. I went back and watched the highlights of it. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but um, I watched the last three fights in it. It's a good one. Um, and yeah, it was well well worth a watch. And um it wasn't particularly close either, was it? It was forty five, thirty Yeah, yeah, it was eight, something like that. You know, yeah, it, it was quite a, comfortable win. It was a nail biter. No. Uh, yeah, well well deserved. Yeah. Lots of lots of just pushing the Russians back down to the end of the piece and smacking them. I think that's the perfect Sabre hit. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. what Sabre is. You just push them right to the end of the piece, smack them, get back on guard again. And then do it again. Yeah. And they did. Several times, yeah, and one. Excellent. Uh, Faces after your own heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't watch the women's saber, but we had uh, Korea a win. That was seems well, normal, okay for me. Seems yeah, not yeah. no surprises so, there. Egypt by Egypt, probably a surprise. Yeah, a surprise, but well, but well worth the win. A, uh, yeah, I wouldn't uh, have put I wouldn't have put money on it, but they deserved that. Um, amazing effort from them. Uh, the fencing I did watch, I watched the juniors' women's saber because that's they're the ones who are, probably will end up fencing at some point. She's <laughs> on her way. Yes. <laughs> she was in the um, boost. <laughs> and the men's saber as well. Don't want to be a results uh, region service, but I'll, for the women's, it was Gion Kim beating Erbil in the final. And I think it was a 14 all final, actually. Um, I think I've seen Erbil on... Erbil? Erbil? I'm going to muck up a lot of pronunciations. I have tried to I tried to research them, but I'll probably end up uh, fluffing them up. Um, don't, don't worry, Kate, we've got your back. We'll, we'll mangle <laughs> something later. Don't worry, it's, it's fine. Yeah, it's guaranteed. Yeah. It's guaranteed. Particularly in the juniors, when they're names that are not that familiar and you've not heard anybody else see them, you've got to yeah. have a... Have a first stab at it. For sure. Um, yeah, I thought that Gion was... She had a really strong start and then there was a really weird call and I think that threw her. Um, it was the... I think... I don't agree with it, but I'm not an FIE referee. Um, but it looked mm. like Ebba puts her into the end of the piece. Gion makes a miss and then she does the sort of stuttering classic Korean almost on the spot type of preparation and Erbil yeah. just takes this really aggressive counterattack. But like it looks like she's picking up the attack, but doesn't it's not as if that Gion had stopped and they mm-hmm. they gave it against uh the Korean. And I was sort of going, hey? Um went to video ref, no issues with it. Um but I think it threw her a little bit. Brought it to a fourteen all um finish, but yeah. Um, one hit counter attack on the end of the piece. Yeah, all right. I mean, once like that, the 
particularly something with such a distinctive uh, Korean style hit, and then you get a referee not not giving it to you yeah. when you you know you've, you had your entire life believing that this this is my hit when I do this. Yeah, I think it's those. It does through you. Yeah, I think it's that's the sort of thing that separates the juniors from the seniors. I don't know how old Gion is, but I think when you're in seniors, you have to get to that mindset of getting on with the game. But I think mm. when mm. you're a little bit emotionally younger, it can really screw in your head a little bit. Oh, definitely. Because um, yeah. offensing-wise, it's really good fencing. But I think it's those things, the subtle things, that you can tell the difference between. Like There's the physicalities, of course, um, mm. but the those little like points of... Mental toughness. I think you can really tell the yeah. difference between them. It's, it shows uh, in the lack of experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't say that they're any less of a fencer. It's just mm. experience. Just getting used to it. Yeah. yeah. Just looking at my notes. There's little question marks over that hit that she didn't get. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then I'll just jump straight into the men's saber final. Um, okay, I'm just gonna stretch for this name. Uh, Tulukov Tulukov Possibly the word for it Yep Yeah, maybe the Russian And (laughs) Uzbekistani I think the commentator said something Along the lines of the Russians got that advantage of height I don't always think that's a uh, I don't know what the word is Explanation of why someone wins but I think mm-hmm. the Russian is a lot taller, but he's just sharper, actually, is why he won the fight. I don't think it's got anything to do with... Yeah, he's got a long lunge, but that doesn't mean that Rashilov could have made it miss if he moved. Um, I just think he... Great domination of the middle of piece. And, yeah, I, I didn't watch any of the, the semis or how Rashilov's fights previously. Um, mm-hmm. But it didn't look like he gave... Chulukov any issues the first half he gave him a bit of issue because Chulukov was just mucking about in the middle trying to find looking for hits um, but mm. he has this really nice sort of kind of like the Korean um, jump that stuttery preparation and he leaves it to the last minute whereas Rasulov Rasulov has got this one rhythm and Chulukov was just picking him off and uh, yeah I went to Chulukov I think he looks like he'd be really strong in the seniors, actually. It'd be interesting to see how he fares. Because there's quite a lot of Russians in the men's sabre, so mm. whether he gets that spot or not. So, yeah, exciting futures for the juniors, I think. Yeah, I mean, that is always one of the things of watching the cadets and juniors. is, uh, And we've been <clears throat> kind of tricked by this before, you know, seeing a fencer that looks, looks phenomenal as a junior. I think, you know, there's no doubt they're going to go on to be superstars at senior level mm-hmm. and and it doesn't always happen and it's not always obvious the mm. uh, the ones that will make the the jump they're not always the ones that, that look like stars in yeah. in juniors I, either. I think fencing um, fencing is a long game you've still got fencers mm. in their 30s 40s competing and they're still you know doing all right but they might not be ones that have had results in cadets and juniors you're totally right like yeah. I didn't I mean, I think, and I, I, I <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's probably a um, you know if you're going to be a genuine world star, you probably need to um, ha- have a certain amount of impact at junior level. Yeah, um, yeah, you know you can't just coast through getting getting knocked out in the first round all the time. No. Uh, but 
what's you know what's required to make it at senior level. I think there's kind of is clearly some something different, and it's not always a, a technical or tactical thing no. that uh, uh, that def- defines the success of a senior fencer. Yeah, and I'm, a, I'm a big believer that it's that the fe- the fencers who you see scrap to win. You know the. the the ones with the real mental, the real strength, you know, it, they impose their will into the fe- into their fencing, or yeah. more. Even if they're not completely successful at junior, will have more success. This is one of my sort of pet theories. Will have a bit more success in senior, because it because I think the game is far more mental than people actually talk about. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, your body has to keep up with all of that. But if you if you're in the right training program, you've got access to the right kind of support services. That mental strength that you're building up through all the scar tissue of your defeats, if you want, um, mm-hmm. is what really will define like a really great champion. I mean, there, don't, there aren't very many who are absolute geniuses at juniors and absolute geniuses at senior. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that, is, that is definitely something. I think that's just a general thing in sport, though. Early success, you sort of go, yeah, oh, well, I'm successful. So- I don't need to learn anymore. But when yeah, you're constantly this is, this losing... Yeah, 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 this is easy. That, that's the you- trap. Very early yeah. success is a, is a, is a massive trap. Yeah. So you you know you're talking about you know very young people, very young athletes who have a considerable amount of success very early on tend to fail. Yeah. It's very rare that they manage to get through that. And then they have that success, and when they do fail, it'll be a catastrophe, and they yeah. won't see it as learning. That's right. That's for sure. Now I was speaking to somebody, uh, speaking to an S and C coach actually recently, and they said between the in any sport between the number one and number ten, everybody's got the technical. Prowess. Everybody can fence. Everybody can play tennis. Whatever. But it's the he said one is the strength, so the physical power, and then being able to use it at the right time. But I think the other one is the mental strength as well, when it counts. You know, those sort of mm-hmm. high stress when it really matters moments. Mm, yeah. Reading a really yeah. good book about that actually called Choke. Yes. I hundred percent recommend that one. It's really yeah. good. Cool. So there, a brief introduction of uh, a reintroduction of uh, the podcast book club. Yep. So. <laughs> we, should, we should totally have done it anyway. Never mind. <laughs> True. Well, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> cool. So any any more from the saber side? That's that's my that's my fill of saber. Um, yeah, I'll let you guys talk about those other weapons. The other stuff. Oh, yeah, you yeah. can put your feet oh, up and yeah. get the kettle about, on. Uh, <laughs> Just wait till we get to the epi, Kate. Oh, the epi. Oh, lots of epi. I'm just going to get biscuits and eat them like really closely to the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> I like ASMR stuff. <laughs> epi. <laughs> Need to produce a, an ASMR version of the podcast. <laughs> Kate, Kate eating biscuits epi throughout the duration of Gav talking about epi. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, isn't that epi? Isn't it epi ASMR? <laughs> There's going to be a hit within a minute. There's going to be a minute. There's going to be a hit. Take a minute though. One minute. Right. I think they should that's commentate steady, that, it like that. Like, yeah. so could commentate. That's that steady sound of uh, people bouncing up and down on the piece <laughs> as well. It's something quite, quite soothing about that. Ting, ting, ting. Ting, ting, ting. Yeah. Non-combat. Oh. Yeah. Beat. Yeah. No, beat to avoid the, to avoid the non-combativity yeah. call. Yeah. All of that. Right. Let's talk foil. Some sensible stuff. Um, uh, watch out for loads, but I'm not going to uh, spend loads and loads of time talking about it. Um, it's all it's all up there in video if you want to go and have a look. Uh, bits that were interesting. Uh, junior women's foil, I thought, was really strong and really interesting. Um, 
You had Jessica Go of Canada, who's, I think, 13 or 14 in senior rankings. Uh, you had the winner of the cadets and juniors from, well, two years ago, last time we had a cadet and junior world, world championships in uh, uh, Lawrence Scruggs. Uh, rest of the American team looked strong. Uh, you had uh, Nicole Pustelnik, the American Israeli fencer as well, with her, her kind of striking tri- striking style, um, which I, I, don't know, I struggle to decide, describe it well, but it's a kind of reverse lunge to get herself out of trouble. It's really, it's really odd, and it makes my makes my knees cry when I watch it happening. It is. Um, it is. How would you how would you describe? It? Have you seen this as well, Kate? No, so but I want it's, to now. It's, it's, it's quite unique. Mm. I don't think I've ever seen anybody do anything quite like this. It's reverse lunging. It's very strange. And honestly, my, uh, Sean seeing his knees, I think my knees actually exploded watching it. Like, I've, I don't yeah. have an ACL now. It's just completely exploded. Is it, is it like that? Is it like that uh, Italian gymnastica yep. video? Yeah. Yep. Yes. On the piece. It's quite like that. And yeah. scoring hits. Yeah. Weird. And, and a lot. Yeah. A lot. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so, so that was interesting. I actually thought the winner of that was going to come out of the quarterfinal matchup between Lauren Scruggs and um, and Jessica Go, who who actually won that fight, um, but then she lost to uh, Pusselnik in the semi final, uh, and in the end, it was May two of uh, the USA who took the title, beating Pusselnik in the final. Uh, but it was good quality stuff. Um, Goes the one kind of out front at the moment, the seniors, mm. um, as much as anything, I suspect, because she's had a little more opportunity as a Canadian fencer to, to go and compete at senior level than perhaps some of the uh, USA girls have had. Uh, Pustin could be a handful in the Zoro qualifiers mm. uh, at the weekend. Uh, but that was really good, good quality stuff. I uh, enjoyed that a lot with, uh, with me too taking the, the title. Uh, the men's... The men's was maybe a little less high quality and, and kind of less full of familiar names from seniors, if you like. But we had a had a Russian winner there and quite a young one as well, uh, a first year junior in uh, uh, Zakhar Kozlov, uh, just seventeen. Um, <clears throat> strong showing from the Russians all round. The, there was another one, um, Martyanovich in the uh, in bronze, uh, and it was a Korean Choi that. Uh, Kozlov beat in the final, and uh, Kozlov was just kind of the latest example of a technically totally solid, tactically uh, tactically varied and astute uh, young Russian men's foilist. They just they seem to have a production line of them, and uh, he looked very good indeed. Um, <clears throat> probably a, a more star-studded USA lineup, uh, and even some of the some of the French guys were probably more household names, but they didn't didn't quite pull it off. Kenji Bravo had. Uh, well, he went in the last sixteen on uh, sorry, the last eight rather on yeah a slightly controversial hit. Um, it's one where I'd, I've watched it loads and loads of times, and I still can't quite decide whether it was right. But uh, yeah, he went out to uh, Choi the Korean who who went on to take uh, take silver. Um, I mean, probably one of the, one of the points about these championships is there were a lot of absentees, mm-hmm. um, so no no Italians were probably the, the you know the biggest name at junior level. Uh, along with Russia and USA that were not there, but no Hungarians as well that would have had an impact in uh, probably not particularly in foil, but in Sabre and Epi. They're yep. you know they're a, a, a strong country. Yeah. Uh, no China, no Japan, no Germany, no Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, so while while all the winners were uh, <coughs> uh, perfectly credible, when you look a little further down the list of results, sometimes you go, oh well, that's a bit surprising, and then you think, oh well, 
think of all the people that are not there. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, sadly, I think it's probably always going to be a, uh, a cadet and junior championship that has a little a little asterisk beside the results, saying, "Yeah, these were strange, strange COVID times, and uh, some people were not they're not at these." Um, so yeah, so juniors were good. Cadets, uh, Jessica Go, perhaps unsurprisingly, won the won the women's foil there pretty comfortably. And uh, most terrifying of all, she's got another year in cadets. Isn't that mental? Like, so she's fencing at <laughs> cadet, junior, and senior level. We've seen her at the yeah. World Championships. Wow, that's so weird. <laughs> yeah, where she gave uh, Derek Lazova a really hard fight in the last sixteen right, or yeah. something. And that was and that was eighteen months ago. Yeah. You know, it's Jeez. it's not right, is it? It's not right. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, she was uh, <clears throat> you know. Too too strong for the other for the other little girls and the cadets. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, you, you know we're just talking yeah. about we're just talking about LTD there, right? And saying, oh, you know, people who are really great at, at a youth level very rarely <laughs> make it as senior. Well, Jessica, go there's, there's there's your rarity right there. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, she I mean she's not senior world champion or even junior world champion yet. But um, yet. <laughs> yeah, that is the key yeah. word there. <laughs> it is. It, it looks it looks very likely. Yeah, still only. Uh, Still the fifteen. Um, yet to pull off a and, Rebecca Ward. No, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, well, it's, it's not going to happen this time, is it? You know, she's missed out in the juniors. Yeah. Only a only a bronze at fifteen. Shabby. In in the teams, uh, predictably, it was two uh, Russia USA finals, uh, with Russia, I would say, slightly surprisingly winning both. Um, I certainly thought that they would they would win the mains, um, but. Uh, they managed to beat the sort of team full of, of young superstars from from USA and women's foil as well, and individually the the Russian women's foilists hadn't done particularly well. There's no real obvious stars in there, but they fenced as a team, uh, and that was kind of the point. Both both the USA teams against Russia in the finals had a hint of everyone wanting to be the star and wanting to be the person that kind of breaks the fight open, whereas the Russians were all well drilled of quite happy to win this fight 1-0 one, one or buy a hit or hold our position. We don't need to come up with three flamboyant-looking hits on the trot. This is this is strictly business, and we will we will emerge with the win. And they did. And, uh, yeah, it was it was, it was was great team fencing. And, uh, yeah, you could kind of see the sort of slight, slight disbelief and frustration on the, uh, on the American fencers' uh, faces at the end of it, uh, yeah, particularly the particularly the women with a, such a, uh, a a team full of stars, uh, but yeah, good good day for the for the Russians and the uh, uh, on the team foil day, uh, and that that pretty much covers it for the foil from my point of view. Lots and lots of uh, good quality fencing again. Nice to see, uh, nice to see it back. Oh, I'll tell you somebody else actually caught my eye. Um, had a, a decent individual result, but looked really good in the team. Was uh, Paul Antoine de Belval of, uh, of France? He won silver mm-hmm. in the cadets two years ago. Looked looked great in the team for France, and he had all that kind of fight and character that um, uh, that uh, Le Pesci brings to the to the senior oh. team. And that same is he also uh, tiny? Same, same kind of attitude about. He is quite small. Pocket <laughs> rocket. <it. laughs> but yeah. but he's but he's right handed. He's right handed. So so some important difference. So it's not a straight swap. Aww. But. Uh, um, yeah, as a as a young face, I, I you know I, I like the cut of his jib. Okay, that's good. A lot of, lot of good stuff um, to go with a again as a as a first year junior making the making the quarterfinals in the individual. It's just unfortunate he's not left handed. He can't he can't replace the leper shoe that's in our heart. If you know what I mean. No, well, 
in my yeah, heart so anyway. Still have to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Gav, um, we've got comfortable. I've got a cup of tea here. Just... Kate's got a massive box of biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the epi. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch as much as I wanted to. Um, I watched them oh, in the well, juniors. So anyway, what else are we going to um, talk about? Thanks. Oh no, right, there's more. Uh, I think I think I think more, more. I mean, you were talking there about the missing nations, and that does make some of the results look quite interesting from that perspective. Um, well, I just I'll just talk, I'll just I'll just quickly run through the last fours in the uh, in the cadets. I haven't watched this. I can't really say very much about it. Um, so in, the, in fourth place, we've got. Um, in the women's cadet epi, we've got uh, uh, Ketki Ketkar uh, of USA. Uh, third was uh, Suzanne Lanz of Estonia. Uh, Katerina. They would have been a tied, tied third, presumably. Sorry, yeah, sorry, tied three. Yeah, I, I'm having one of those days, Sean. Um, okay. Second place was uh, Katerina Kolobineva uh, of Russia. And the winner was uh, Alicia Classic of Poland. Uh, so, yeah, so... Some interest. I mean, I mean, those are obviously nations that you'd recognise being at the top. But in the in the last eight, we've got a Turkish fencer as well, mm. and also a, a Spanish fencer making the last eight there. Maybe slightly unusual in in the in the, in the women's epi there. Uh, in the men's yeah. uh, in the men's epi, um, uh, four, uh, equal fourth is uh, this is a cool name by the way, uh, Skylar Liverant of uh, the USA. That's a cool name. That's good, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce this guy's first name, but it's Kim Doan, I think, of Korea, uh, equal third. Uh, second was Artem uh, Sarkisian of Russia, and the winner was uh, uh, Antoni Socha uh, of Poland. So kind of a similar kind of feel to it there. Okay, so a Poland, a Poland double in the cadets. Yeah. I, I think I did spot that actually at the time, but yeah, um, so that's quite good. Quite good I news. I didn't watch anything other than the foil. Yeah, good, good for Poland. Good for Poland. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's, I mean, Pol- the Polish foil, foil team's obviously quite, quite good quality, but it's quite good to see them with an epi, with some epis at the the top again. The interesting one here is number five uh, from is uh, Mohammed Yassin uh, from Egypt, uh, and we're going to talk about him more in a second. But also, if you look down the last eight again, it's like um, there's um, Raheem Rashida of Bulgaria. So it's, it's an interesting mix of nations uh, that you saw in the cadets, I thought. Um, so we'll go over and we'll just talk about, we'll start with the, uh, we'll start with the, the women's epi in the juniors. Uh, so the two semifinals, uh, the first semifinal, this is probably the one to watch if you're going to go back and watch, is is uh, uh, Paulina uh Kertedanova of Russia against uh, Kim Sohee uh, of Korea. It's a it's a proper it's a proper go at it. This one, it's quite quick. There's lots of hits going on. Neither one of them really wants to back down. The the lead swaps a couple of times all the way through it. It's good good stuff. I think it only lasts like a couple of seconds into the second period. It doesn't last very long at all. The the second the, the other the other uh, semi final is between uh, Jess Lynn uh, of the USA and Anastasia Zelenotsova of uh, the Ukraine. Uh, Jesslyn wins this one pretty comfortably. She gets a couple of hits up, and I really don't know what was going on in the Ukrainian fencer's mind, but um, she just basically would step into the distance, stop. Jesslyn would hit her, and that would be that. Uh, and then there was a bunch <laughs> of doubles. Uh, she got basically Jess got a couple of hits up, and the, the other fencer had no response to it. It's not a very exciting fight to watch, but um, you know, it is what it is. And then in the final, um, uh, Polina, uh, Polina. Uh, Kertinova of Russia uh, beat uh, Jess Lynn 15-12. It's much more straightforward. It's not quite as exciting as the semi-final, but, you know, it's not a bad one. And then in the men's, uh, in, the, in the junior men, I should say, <laughs> something else there. Um, uh, first semi-final, uh, this, is, this, is quite, this is quite an interesting fight. It's, uh, so I just mentioned him, he's in the cadets. It's Mohamed Yassin 
uh, of Egypt up against Samuel mm-hmm. Berthold of uh, Austria. Now, you don't see very many Austrians at the top of, in, in Epi at all. I mean, I don't know when the last time they were anywhere near the top actually was, but um, good on them. Um, there was actually a, an all-Austria quarterfinal between uh, Biro and Berthold. Uh, so, obviously, that's just something uh, worth noting. And then the second semi-final was uh, Mohamed El Said of Egypt against uh, Kendrick Jean-Joseph uh, of France. Uh, this is an interesting one because... It, it, it's quite close, quite all the way through it. The, the lead does swap. It's not quite as fast as the first semi-final. The first semi-final get, gets just, Justine just goes for it and wins. The second one, this one's much more, uh, the hits just tick over. Uh, now, Jean Joseph, I don't know, Sean, I, we, I think we've talked about this guy before. He is a unit. You know, you're talking about, yeah, we talked a, a little bit about, glad. he's quite scary. Yeah, <laughs> we talked a little bit about the fact that if you're in juniors and you're in cadets, that maybe you're not as physically uh, strong as you are and uh, this guy can lift bales of hay I think he's massive he's huge he's like <laughs> yeah. the size well, of Burrell he's massive yeah if, if this is him as a kid I hate to see what he's like when he's when he's grown up yeah because he's uh, yeah he's, he's scarily powerful and you know tall broad and yeah we'd beat it to pulp um, yeah yeah physically physically imposing I think is the phrase yeah so this is actually quite quite interesting if you want to go back and watch it it's, there's a bit more sort of the, the, the first semi-final is really straightforward this one a bit more give and take in it LC really does a good job of managing Jean-Joseph as much as far as he can but the sort of the power of uh, of Jean-Joseph just basically overwhelms him in the end it's close but it does eventually it just overtakes him it finishes 12-11 excuse me uh, and in the final, you've got um, Yassine up against Jean Joseph. It starts off quite well for Yassine, but then kind of tails off with, again, it's just the physicality of the French fencer just overwhelms him, but it is quite close uh, and it finishes 15 13. So uh, another good uh, Egyptian result, I think, uh, there from Yassine. He's, he's quite an interesting fencer if you go and watch him. He's very, very skinny and quite tall. Uh, he's mm. also left handed. So I can imagine he's just an absolute nightmare, but he's also incredibly fast. So if you give him if you give him an inch, he just basically he's kind of fencer I like. He takes the game to you. He doesn't just hang around trying to do something in, in distance. He just takes the game to you, and he's quite comfortable blocking out. So I thought it was a, actually quite an interesting fencer to watch. Right. I mean, it's a shame for the for the Egyptians having such a strong home championship so there was really nobody there to watch it apart from the other fencers That's did you see the hall I, it was a real shame because the hall is empty yeah, I mean it's hall, just looked, looked great yeah. and yeah some great results. No, no spectators yeah. yeah they did I mean that must be I mean that's, that's got to be pretty heartbreaking for them you know you produce a world world class result in a in a home championships mm-hmm. and there's nobody there to see it that, that's a real shame yeah uh, well in the men's in the men's epi team the uh, first semi-final was USA versus Ukraine, straightforward for USA, 45-37. Second semi-final is quite an interesting one again, it's worth looking at. Uh, Russia versus Egypt, Russia winning 45-44. So again, it's another one where you, the, the, the Egyptians are having a storming home games and it's uh, just a bit of a shame, as you say, that the hall's empty. Uh, the, the final of the, men, of the men's epi is another, it's, it's another one kind of you can go and watch. It's uh, Russia winning 43-41 over the USA. So... The USA's epi is obviously picking up. We're seeing far more good results from them now in, in like the junior level. So that's got to be start feeding through into the seniors. Um, oh, and I should just say as well that in the in the playoff for third place, uh, Egypt beat Ukraine as well. So the the Egyptians really. So is that is that four four medals all together? That we're talking about then for yeah. Egypt or more? Yeah, I think so. 
Might yeah, be more, actually. Let's keep going. Maybe. Yeah. Five, perhaps. It's the men's... Kind of lost count. Well, I don't know. There's definitely two in Sabre. Okay. And then... Okay, so... Team Epi. Team Epi, individuals. That's four. Yeah. Oh, and there was a, a last eight you said for one of the Epis and the right, Cadet yeah. and men's Epi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, th- I think four, but that'll be their their best performance, I think, at a Cadet and Junior World Championships ever, yeah. I would have thought. Yeah. For sure. Good going. I mean, admittedly, in the context of a, a World Championships with mm-hmm. a few absentees, but still... Um, Clearly, some good quality fencing coming out of each other. I should also say as well that I mean, I mean, we're saying that you know it's a slightly weaker game because there's fewer people around because of COVID, etc., etc., etc. But in the men's epi, and I've no idea what 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 went on here because I didn't watch it. Um, Egypt did beat France to get to the semi-final. They beat them forty-five, right. thirty-six. So yeah, so they're yeah. clearly clearly the home advantage is you, coming you, in there and stuff. You don't really get a weak a weak junior men's epi team out of France, no. so that's uh, that's got to be a a strong team performance for Egypt mm-hmm. to to take the win there. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, good, good. I hope hope to see them in strutting their stuff in seniors yeah. as well. Yeah, soon, then. good on them. That's good. Oh, sorry, one thing I forgot to mention: cadet men's foil. Uh, Daniel Zhang of the USA won. Okay. He's got a funny looking style. I was quite dismissive of him at first, but I went back and watched um, his quarterfinal, semi-final, and final again later, and it's actually um, a lot smarter than I first gave it credit for. It is kind of slightly awkward looking with quite a lot of counter attacks, but he turns it into uh, he, he allows the fight to develop tactically quite quite well. So he hits with a lot of counter attacks early, makes the opponent nervous and hesitant. He picks up the attack. Mm. He, has a sort of range of ways doing plays with the distance quite nicely and uh, um, I think a better fencer than I was originally going to give him credit for <laughs> so uh, again I, I, I'll be interested to see how he develops through uh, through juniors and, uh, and into seniors that's big um, of you Sean and, and again <laughs> uh, well I mean USA has now kind of become almost the dominant nation in cadet men's foil and, and women's foil as well really um, but they're their transfer rate into becoming successful seniors still probably still isn't that high compared to a lot of other countries who have, you know, comparable levels of success at cadet and juniors. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I want to see them back up as they get older. <laughs> I'm so harsh. So <laughs> harsh. I think maybe it's because um USA, the cadets, they don't get the chance to tr- maybe they don't get the chance to train together because they're so spread out and they've got school and that's uni- like pre-university college type stuff fencing so not get yeah, that chance to travel to like you can't just take a quick bus ride and fence with some people yeah I mean certainly you're right I mean the, a lot of the problems with um, uh, America become a sort of dominant world power if you like a sort of well established um, it's it's very broken up there's no kind of centralised national programme like a lot that a lot of countries have either centralised in one place or yeah. two or two or three centres. Um, the sports very expensive in the USA compared to you know fencing almost anywhere in Europe. Um, so while you're a cadet or in a in a funded program and you're supported by the bank of mum and dad, that's all very well. Uh, when it, you go out to the big bad world, suddenly it's a very expensive sport. Travelling to more competitions in Europe than there are. Uh, in your own country, uh, travel's expensive, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's harder to do it as a senior as a yeah. 
there's an American fencer. So you know, I, I do sympathise and I'm aware of the aware of the issues. So um, that's why uh, any totally well deserved praise that I come up with for uh, for young USA fencers is always tempered with that sort of for slight sure. fear that it's it's not going going to turn into uh, success at senior level for all sorts of reasons which are are difficult to difficult to get mm-hmm. over and um, there's still there's still not a solution but it is possible when I mean, we see we do see enough senior american fencers uh, uh dominating even yeah. at world level to, to show that it's not impossible but i would just like to see it happen probably a little bit more than it does Anyway, enough of cadets and juniors, I think. Unless we've got anything else exciting to add, apart from the it looked a great championship. Watch the, uh, the unorthodox hits. Um, is Park Park's counterattack? If you haven't seen it, you should. Oh, that sounds interesting. Okay. Let me let me. Right. It's the I've heard of duck <laughs> counterattacks, but he takes it to a next level. Um, right. Oh no, I've seen the picture. You have seen, seen it. I have seen that picture. <laughs> I don't Let's know how see. you describe. How would you describe it? It's, oh yes, it's uh, it's 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 face face to floor. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. His nose must be more no more than about three inches go. off the ground, and he is. Can't uh, quite see him. Yeah, uh, how do you hit you know, that? Yeah, yeah, something you would think would be quite difficult to do in Sabre as he manages to hide behind his guard. <laughs> is, is, it, <laughs> it's, yeah. is there any? Is, I mean, I, I did see the picture and I thought, is, is it not like a card or something for this? Because it like just like no. A card for no, like I just don't think, do that. I think that you the only possible card you could get is for showing the back of his head. Yeah, because he's not really covering target because your back's target, so yeah, it's equal amount. Head, yeah, and he did back it more than once, not... so the refs didn't. He did it. I think he did it more than twice. Oh, actually, so the refs didn't. Really happy enough with it. Yeah, and uh, plenty of memes were made from it as well. So yeah, yeah. good content. <laughs> I just see, a, just see a few, <laughs> just see a few floating about the place. Okay, so um, well, well done for uh, well done to Cairo as well for putting the Cadet and Junior Worlds mm-hmm. on. Yep. Uh, I, I had a certain amount of uh, trepidation about whether it was really necessary for them to happen, uh, and I can understand that you know if you're a, a Cadet or Junior fencer, this might be your one chance to fence at a World Championships, mm-hmm. and having having them cancelled again uh, would have been would have been pretty hard to take. Um, but I've not heard any horror stories about no. tons of uh, positive cases. Popping up anywhere as a result yeah. of uh, uh, of the of the competition in Cairo, um, and it seems to have been run very well. Um, anybody want to talk about the commentary at all? No, not really. It's fine. No, me neither. Good. Okay, um, we'll move swiftly on. <laughs> Those of you who have watched already will know almost certainly what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, so what else have we got to look forward? Zonal qualifiers. Zonal, yeah, yes, so the, indeed. More fencing, yeah. yay! <laughs> More actual fencing, yeah. Um, yeah, last chance saloon for those that haven't already found their their way to Tokyo. Um, each each zone has a a competition, and the winner gets to go to the Olympics. Everybody else doesn't, mm-hmm. um, because there's not going to be any uh, sort of bonus spots. Japan will need to use all of their host nation places, so. Yeah, this is it. Win, win, or you don't go. Yep. I've mainly had to look at the uh, who's fencing in the European ones and uh, lots of interesting names there, but uh, they're happening all over the place. Most of them happening uh, this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the African zone of qualifiers happening in Cairo, European ones happening in Madrid, 
the Asia and Oceania ones happening in Tashkent in Uzbekistan, and then the Pan American qualifiers happening in San Jose in Costa Rica the following weekend, mm-hmm. uh, the weekend of the first and second of May. So at the end of all that, we'll know. Well, I was going to say we'll know everyone who's going to the Olympics, but of course we don't actually know the makeup of the teams that have qualified as teams. Interesting looking at some of the, the entry lists for the zonal qualifiers. Um, Europe, I'm pretty sure, and I've not checked every every entry list for every event in every uh, every zonal qualifier, but the sort of smallest number for any events in, in the European zonal qualifiers, I think is 14, up to inevitably the biggest number, 27 in men's epi where everybody reckons they got a chance. But I think it was I think it was women's foil for the African zonal qualifiers had had three fences in it. So one oh. of them's gonna be going to the oh, Olympics. What? So uh yeah. How are they gonna run I'm is that just gonna be a pool and or I d I wanna I don't what? know. <laughs> There'll be an official thing. Tell. There must be an official thing. I'll have to go get the, the, yeah, the, the format out. for the event. There must be yeah. an official format for that. And I bet yeah, it's you it is a pool unique. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they do with three. I mean, with 14 or 27 or whatever, you just run a regular competition. You do mm-hmm. however many pools yeah. it takes. You cut something up to 30% and then you have direct elimination and at the end you get a winner who gets to go to Tokyo. But, uh, yeah, what do you do with three? I mean, with three fencers, they all fence each other to five. Um, <laughs> they've, they've not even got enough people that they... Uh, they can actually cut anybody because if you get rid of one of them, you've had a cut of thirty-three and a bit percent. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody, everybody goes through into the direct elimination. One person gets a buy into the final, and fences the winner of the fight between the other two. It's not a big day, really, is it for fencing? Is it? Well, you get to go to the Olympics, though, so you're going to turn up, aren't you? <laughs> well, somebody, somebody does actually. The um, they've got a medal the already. Ranked, yeah, yeah. I mean, the highest ranked fencer there uh, is actually ranked in the top fifty in the world. Yep. So. That that would that would be fair enough, really. That uh, that you know that they they get to go to Tokyo. Um, I'm, I'm no problem with that. But it yeah, it does feel a bit weird having a, a competition with only only three fencers in it. But yeah, there you go. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's how we do it. And um, yeah, we'll we'll know our pretty close to our final lineup. So as I mentioned, we're not totally sure of all the who has the individual spots and who's mm-hmm. fencing in the team only mm-hmm. for the the various teams that are qualified, but the. Uh, the French Federation has been announcing their their lineup over the last kind of yep. week or so. A uh, couple of kind of interesting points in that. I thought. Um, I think we talked about this last time with uh, who the French women's sabre team was mm-hmm. looking likely to be. Yeah, and, I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm happy with it. Well, I'm happy yeah, with it. Uh, so yeah. Good. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad. So yeah, um, Sarah Balzer is the. The third fencer, I suppose, in the individual, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and Caroline, uh, Caroline Kiroli, the the reserve. But the the well, the shock for me uh, was in in the men's foil. Owen Lapeshu will not be fencing in the individual at the Olympics. He'll only be there for the team events. So the French men's foil team. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, so the French team into the four. He's world champion. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. World number three or something. Uh, Maxime Poti. Um, also ranked in the, the top 16 in the world very exciting fencer yeah. has a good sense of humour you know, we like all, him good, good sense of humour yeah excellent <laughs> social media presence um, uh, very exciting to watch and uh, and Julian Mertin yeah. who dropped down the rankings a little bit so I think he's about 24th or something but um, uh, in large part that was because uh, he'd won 
the uh, the Grand Prix that was in California sort of two years ago now, mm. and that result that was then dropped off and replaced by the the result in Doha just recently. So that's a the whole chunk of points that he's lost. He didn't have a great individual result yeah. there, but he won in Bonn um, during Olympic well, qualifying. We've talked about this. Um, he looks rejuvenated. He's got a new style of fencing and. It's like a yeah, different he's, fence. He's he used to of, um, not be quite so exciting to watch, but he's quite interesting now. He's he's caught the bug of uh, of Maxime. Yeah, Maybe swapping uh, notes. <laughs> so yeah, so the, those three striking an individual, but um, yeah, I mean, I do feel quite sad that there there will be this is going to be an Olympics with uh, in the individual individual event with uh, no recent Bowden, no Richard Cruz. No, Erwin Lepeshu. Who? It, I'm thinking about feels, this. Right, hang on. It minute. feels odd. Yeah, let's go back to the French team just for a second. Who is going to pull the French team out of the fire when they are, you know, umpteen points behind the Italians in the final? How? Who's going to do it? It's, it's always Erwin. Well, it, it won't be. It won't be the Italians in the final. It'll be um, the Italians in the semi-final. Oh, sorry, Italians in the semi-final. Yeah, and they won't necessarily be a huge number of hits down against them. Yeah. But against USA in the final, yeah, I, I would want, I would want Erwin in the piece. So I, I mean. I've no doubt that the Pesci will fence at some point, and it's really just when he comes in. Do right. they do they start with their three? And I, I would think probably Julian Mertin be the one most likely to mm. to drop out. Uh, you know, so they put Mertin on for one fight, and the Pesci's on for the rest of the day, doing the job of uh, closing for the French team as he has done for uh, ever. Secret weapon. Yep. <laughs> I've seen Captain yeah, America, well, it's, right? It's, it's, I've seen Captain America. It's the least secret, we put, secret weapon you can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yes. we put Irwin in, we cut a hole in ice in the, in the Arctic and we put Irwin in it and we pour some water in and then when it gets to the, 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 the really important point at the Olympics, you just pour a kettle over the top of the ice block <laughs> and frost <laughs> them and roll them onto the piece. Oh, there you go, Irwin. Here's your, here's your magic foil. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could, it could well be that. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me yeah. at all. But, uh yeah, so I think that was the uh, the bit in f- sort of French news which uh, piqued my interest for for teams being announced. Um, I don't think I've not heard anything else for other teams naming nope. who their their lineup so. has, has been. But um, yeah, hopefully that'll be something that we've got uh, a bit more to talk about in the not too distant future. Um, one little piece I want to say: we don't do a whole load of obituaries on mm-hmm. on the podcast. We did a, a flurry of them in one episode because. Uh, uh, a number of the kind of great and good in world fencing had, had passed away, but um, former president of British Fencing, Keith Smith, um, passed away over the over the the weekend of uh, the Easter weekend rather. He was president of British Fencing from uh, two thousand until uh, just after the, the London Olympics in twenty twelve. Uh, a three weapon FIE referee uh, on the FIE's referee commission for donkey's years, and. Um, uh, was vice president of the the European Confederation. Um, thoroughly good guy, in my opinion. He dragged British fencing kicking and screaming into the twenty first century, whether it wanted to go or not. Managed to do it always with a with a, a smile and a sense of humour, and um, I liked him a lot. Yeah, a lot of fencers and and referees owe a huge part of their their success and longevity down to his uh, hard work and influence on their behalf. And um, although he hadn't really had any involvement with British fencing. Since he stepped down as as president, as that as that role kind of changed effectively, um, I'd kept in touch with him on Messenger, and uh, I'd known he'd been ill since about this time last year. Um, and uh, when I got my own my own 
rubbishy diagnosis. We were, you know, we were kind of cancer buddies on Messenger, and I'm uh, really gonna miss having his um, having his support. So um, yeah, sad times. So <laughs> there's my little piece, Keith Smith, big guy. Yeah. Hmm. So what have you got to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, let's just move on to the only other real bit of new fencing-related news. Yeah, so I announced yeah. from the, the FIE yeah, just this week saying, yeah, nothing nothing else of your regular season um, yeah. this this season. Mm-hmm. And a bit of debate, a bit of, um, a bit of doubt, rather, about the uh, various zonal championships as well. They're all still showing up on the calendar as, you know, to be confirmed, yeah. um, so I, I have my doubts that those are going to happen because they're really not that far away now. Um, only a couple of months, and um, well, things are, are generally improving with uh, COVID vaccine rollouts. It's uh, it's a slow process, and I'm not sure that yeah. we're going to be ready to go for uh, for all of these zonal the, the, the other thing qualifying uh, zonal events happening. Yeah, yeah and the, the the other thing as well, just to sort of point out, is there have been some reports in the press that. Tokyo could be cancelled again, and this is the I, I, and this is coming from senior Japanese politicians. Uh, so there there is still a risk that Tokyo just might not happen. Yeah, I mean, I think there's um, quite a bit of opposition within Japan amongst the yeah. sort of general population to, to the games going ahead. That uh, seems to have been you know a definite a definite shift that there's there's concern about it it taking place, whether that's a good idea or not. Um, I do, however, kind of get the feeling that some Japanese politicians are kind of jumping on the the bandwagon. This is a kind of you know populist vote winner to say, "Oh no, we should cancel the games." But um, I'm I'm still hopeful that it will <laughs> that it will yeah. work out in the end. Even it's going to be a again a, an, an odd looking Olympic games to go with uh, a variety of odd looking uh, events in a junior oh. cadet world championships yeah. that had. People missing and no spectators. Can you imagine the Olympics uh, without spectators? So that that is another rumor is that there will be no spectators. Yeah. <laughs> so not just yeah, not I, just local, you know. Yeah, I felt recently sanguine about it when we thought it was only going to be Japanese spectators because I think that actually would be great. Yeah. Because they're really noisy yeah. and passionate and well organised. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you get some proper structured cheering, um, which I think would have been really good. Um, but having an Olympics with no spectators at all, that's that's a whole new level of weird. And uh, very I strange. Hope it doesn't come to that. We should just um, get some get sort of... cardboard cutouts and pre-recorded uh, shouts. Just well, play just on do. a loop. You might just do what yeah. you do with football and rugby. You just pipe in some random crowd noise. And have somebody there with a dial. Oh, it's getting exciting. Not an epi. We don't, we don't like excitement in epi, right? But I mean, in the other ones. They'll just have like in foil, crickets. Just turn it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> an epi is just me yeah. going, oh, it's going to be a hit in a minute. A hit in a minute. Just one more. Just 10 seconds more. One. Oh, oh. Tumbleweed. Tumbleweed. So really, particularly for the epi, we're going to need some, uh, we're going to need some sort of fans. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then for foil, uh, for foil, it'll just be a, uh, Oh, soft target again. Oh, soft target again. <laughs> and and cries of ref, ref, off target, ref. <laughs> Children. Well, I said it could be worse. It could be Sieber. Simultaneous, simultaneous. The crowd are shouting, chanting, well, simultaneous, actually, simultaneous. Actually, actually, they have no. I noticed this that they're not calling simultaneous that often. Actually, they they are separating it more. 
Gav. Yeah, keen to there avoid it. Yeah. Because they just flip a coin. Even That's out. what they do. You not watch this. That's what the secret <laughs> hand secret hand movement is. You don't you can't quite see in the camera. Just flip a little coin. Oh yeah, heads. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll I'll actually I'll I'll back you up here that uh it's relatively rare to see a simultaneous call in Sabre these days. <laughs> and quite how they split it, I'm not, not always entirely sure, but you know, they find a way and generally people seem happy with that. So it's just I think it's you just have the good, you have, to have the eye and the skill and <laughs> dare I say well, talent. I don't know. I just not care what's really happening. <laughs> <laughs> right, children, enough squabbling. <laughs> um Gav, please tell us about some social media. Um, we promise we might put something on it. For a man with thousands of photographs that you found recently on some oh. you know, lost SD cards, none of them are making on onto our Instagram uh, feed. That's yeah, all yeah, I'll okay, say. Okay, right. I, I will sort this out. It's just I've had a bit of a I've had a bad week. You to give me, give me, give me a break. We talked about this a month ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've had a bad month. <laughs> Look, I've got, I've got. There's a whole art section. I've got to make sure doesn't starve to death. You know, it's it's one of those things. Anyway, right. No, um, social media is far about... more important. Known fact. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you got to prioritise. Okay, so let's, no, let's get on to no, social media. How are you going to get that like, influencer is... status? Come on, work on it. Yeah. Exactly. The cardi box, whatever they're called, cardi coins, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, there must be something. I'm going to NFT it. Anyway, so we're on all the social medias, um, and they're not NFT'd. Uh, we're on Instagram, we're the Fancy Podcast. We're on Facebook as the Fancy Podcast. We are on Twitter as, as, as. Fencing, fencing, fencing podcast <laughs> and you can also yeah, email at, us at fencing podcast yeah at fencing podcast and you can also just email us which is nice we don't get enough emails I would like to see more emails uh, indeed yeah so please email at where Gav uh, uh, <laughs> the fencing podcast at gmail.com yeah <laughs> very good this may be why people don't email us <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right, so um, I, I'm hoping tomorrow to have uh, an interview with the British team manager, Johnny Davis, oh, uh, nice. from nice from guy. Madrid to get his, his thoughts on, uh, yeah, very much so, get his thoughts on the uh, upcoming zonal championships and uh, what chances are, how they work and uh, and how much he's looking forward to going to Tokyo, assuming it all goes ahead. Mm, good. So um, uh, I will endeavour to... Get that done, get it recorded, and I will add it on to the end of this. So when you hear us say goodbye, we may not actually mean it. So let things run at least until you hear the theme music uh, <laughs> starting to play. If that kicks in, I've not made a good job of the interview, and it'll happen some other time. <laughs> actually, just promise that you'll record something that just says, interview goes here if you don't manage it. Just something along the lines. Insert. <laughs> yeah, so we say goodbye. It's a little pause, and then I go... Oops, sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's some nice uh, AMSR signs for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so hopefully it won't come to that and you'll hear my voice again very shortly, but um, we'll be back to talk about the various zonal qualifiers um, fairly soon. Yeah. And uh, until then, tatty bye. Cheerio bye. There'll be one more point in a minute. One second that's going to be a new thing by the way I'm going to do ASMR every time one second please don't one second so as promised if you're not hearing the theme music then I've managed to get my interview with uh, British team manager Johnny Davis thanks very much to Johnny for taking the time to to speak to us Uh, he basically flew out to Madrid with the British team landed had a swab stuck down his throat and up his nose whisked away to the hotel and almost as soon as he got there he was uh 
chatting to me. So here's the interview with uh, Johnny telling us all about the challenges facing the fencers and uh, and the team management in preparing for these zonal qualifiers and for the Olympic Games itself. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, Johnny, and welcome to the Fencing Podcast. Thank you very much, Sean. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, sitting here in sunny Edinburgh, I don't know whether uh, where you are in Madrid is, is sunnier still. I suspect it might be. It's rainy Madrid, actually. Yeah, it, uh, it oh, is, really? It's kinda, oh. Yeah, a little bit over. It's, it's, it's muggy warm, but it's rainy Madrid. Not that we're allowed to see any of it because we, we just arrived. We've had our very aggressive PCR tests and we are in our room until our tests test results come back, hopefully within 12 hours, they're predicting. So by tomorrow morning, we should be liberated. Excellent. Yeah. So an extreme form of the usual fencing competition, uh, exotic travel of airport, hotel, sports hall, hotel, airport, and you're home again. Interspersed with some really aggressively sticking things down your nose and down your throat <laughs> yeah. and, and telling yeah. you to stand in close groups whenever you shouldn't be standing in close groups, which is the whole point <laughs> of avoiding COVID. But yes, it's it's what I describe as the sexy stuff that we do, that people go, well, that must be exotic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously you're there for the um European Olympic zonal qualifiers. Um for for my benefit and the benefit of our listeners, give us a give us an idea of what, what the events are for and how it works. Okay. It's really last chance saloon for Olympic qualification. So we've been through the first phase which is teams qualified. So those uh, so th- th- those countries who have um qualified anybody by team cannot enter the zonals. Then after the teams are selected, you go to automatic qualification by um, by region. So, for instance, Marcus got the first uh, of the European places. After that, any country who hasn't qualified an athlete directly by those two routes can then put one fencer per weapon into the zonal qualifiers. So the zonal qualifiers are, completed, are, are, are taking place across all the regions. So each of the Asia, Europe, etc. So from that in each weapon, uh, there will be in the European zone. The, the winner will get a place for the uh, for the Olympic Games. So it's Willy Wonka golden ticket time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of pressure. Um, I mean, there's going to be, I suspect, some heartbreaking scenes with people that not making the team, uh, not making the Olympics uh, this weekend. It's uh, you know the end of a, uh, a four, well, nearly five year dream for for a lot of them trying to trying to make the games. Yeah, I'd say longer than that for some people. It's a you know it's a it's a twenty year dream. The, the it is brutal. You know, we I was lucky enough to be in Doha for the men's foil qualifier, and if you take Michael Seiss from Poland, he got one fight away from qualifying automatically, um, and then he now has to start all over again. And likewise, Chupinich. So so Marcus Mepstead, Carlos Lavador went into that competition in uh, having those two places, the two European places. Neither of them had a great competition but uh, Sice made the last eight, Tupanese made the 16 but it wasn't enough so they now have to go into the pot um, and that's a strong competition, it really is it's going to be, you know, Daniel Doge's in there um, you know, our ex-British Toffelides is in there you know, and then there's, 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 you just don't know, it's it's brutal, this is sport at its most ruthless, ruthless and, and most uh, visceral, you know, it really is one person will come out of that competition uh, and they were going to the Olympic Games yeah, indeed. So, obviously, things have been delayed, including the Olympics. Uh, I had hoped to go to this event a, a year ago. Uh, of course, the whole world's changed with uh, with the COVID pandemic, uh, and that must 
present some challenges for selecting fencers for this event with uh, so little in the way of competition. You know, there's been one World Cup or Grand Prix in each weapon and uh, not much in the way of training for a lot of the time for the British fencers as well. To, so give me an idea what it's uh, the challenges you face for, for picking the guys that have, uh, are going to be turning out for Britain this weekend. Yes, it has been very difficult. I mean, it was, I think it was Wednesday, it was 100 days to go to the Olympics. Who would have thought last year it was 465 days to go? You know, it has been, it's crazy. It's been, everyone's really tired. I'm tired policing people in the sense of having to check up. You know, we, we in Britain, it's funny, I was just chatting to Jemek about this. You know, we, we have really shut down our training and it's been difficult, whereas other countries... So, But the benefit is we have low rates and we have low infection rates. The other countries have access to training, but high infection rates. So, you know, ultimately, I think we've done the right thing, but it has been very difficult. The, you know, the athletes are very tired, motivating themselves, driving on. There hasn't been a competition for most of them for 13, 14 months, long time. In terms of selection... Um, we uh, the, the the zonal selection is is based on uh, the normal British rankings, and there's then a, a clause within it. If you're not the top fifty, then we go to current form. So actually, the athletes who have been selected as number ones in these uh, in in those these in the, for this competition are pretty much in most cases those are sitting at the top of the rankings. And um, I say where the, where there's no one in the top fifty, then you go to the adjusted Olympic rankings based on current form. So you know there's uh, there's there's the FIA normal rankings, there's the adjusted Olympic rankings, which runs um, in in the Olympic last part of the Olympic cycle from uh, April one to March thirty first. Then there was going to be the adjusted ra- the rankings, which would start up after the final qualifier happened. So for instance, in men four, they were going to then include. Uh, St. Petersburg and Shanghai and potentially the Euros but that may run as another uh, as another uh, ranking and then there's the our own, there's the, our own British version which is based on where our athletes sit in the world ranking so it says it is a cut off a top 50 so it's very complicated uh, it's straightforward in many ways in that if you get the points and you're sitting clear then there's not a problem we have a number of those uh, hoops to jump through to get to, to select I think the biggest challenge has been those athletes who would have normally been in contention, not necessarily to qualify straight away, but to have had the opportunity. Say, for instance, I'll go back to men's foil because I travelled with the men's foil. It's Marcus. We only sent two people to, to Doha where we have an option to send 12. And we didn't send anybody Kazan in Russia because we, we couldn't get into the country and they were going to have to quarantine for 14 days when they arrived. So they were going to be, you know, they're going to have to be out there for 17 days, essentially, to be able to do that, do their tests. Um, we sent some to Budapest. You know, the risk around that, if there were 50 positive tests come out of Budapest, surprise, surprise, none out of Russia. Not one person out of 1,500 people tested positive in Russia. Fantastic testing system <laughs> they have there. Um, yeah, quality. And uh, then there was, in Doha, there was some, we had one in our hotel, Tutusek, the Czech tested positive and some others. So that's always to the back of it. You know, then there's the, the challenge. Uh, if you come back into the country and you've been to a red-listed country as Doha was, you have to go into quarantine, £1,750 £1, for 10 days in a hotel. You know, So it's the whole landscape is very, very different. So a lot of athletes who... I think felt that they would have had a chance to try and qualify have been restricted and constrained by the situation in the world. 
And it's it's very hard to say to those athletes anything other than I'm sorry, you know, there's there's absolutely nothing we can do. Um, and our job is to try and keep them motivated, try and keep them focused. Uh, and we we have we're selecting the the team for what we hope will be the European Championships in in Bulgaria starting on the fifteenth of June, and uh, we've gone to an opt in process. So one of the key milestones, or the see, sorry, the key pillars of everything that has been done. So DCMS government agency and the UK Sport, who we sit under all their guidance, everything has to be on an opt in basis because we don't want athletes to feel a pressure to go to competitions that they're not comfortable going to in case they are concerned it affects their selection or their funding. So that's the, the key key uh, kind of pillar of that. And so therefore for the Euros, we will we want athletes to opt in to say that they would like to be selected. And then off the back of that, we have had a return to training protocol to make sure that they're fit as we have a duty of care. So it's kind of layer upon layer of of actually helping to try and provide the right duty of care for the athletes and the right opportunity in a very restricted uh, scenario, which has been running for the last, what, really the last year. So, yeah, it's been a challenge. Um, and But, you know, we are, we are ready to go uh, uh, this weekend. We have our athletes, just to be, you know, just to, to, to clarify who we have, women's epi, Susan Seeker, men's epi, Philip Marsh, Women's foil, Yasmin Campbell, men's sabre, Will Deary, women's sabre, Katie Maxwell. So, you know, it's head down and this is it. This is the, the, the golden, this is the lottery ticket and Willy Wonka's ticket and Christmases, if you get it right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've you've touched on some of the uh, challenges that the pandemic has presented, particularly for this weekend. I mean, you, you talked about having to fill in forms at the last minute when you got to the airport, otherwise you weren't going to be allowed to fly. And I mean, how much more challenging has it been than than usual? I mean, I suppose in some ways we've for a long time been used to you know, flying flying around the world and thinking nothing of it. Uh, a bit more challenging now, yeah, I assume. Yeah, we, you know, we have an operational plan and there are 86 lines in that operational plan that, that Shelley and myself go through you know, with Georgina. So we've been through those four times. We've gone through that to check everything's right. You know that's around budgeting, but it, it's it's it, it's more we have to do. Uh, uh, Claire Halstead, as our chief medical officer, has to do a protocol check with the athletes every time they go away. Um, uh, Georgina has to sign off for the risk assessment, which is a lot of stuff in it, and that's so. The, the, that call is an hour and a half with each group to go through the medical protocols, and some of it is real obvious stuff. You know, wash your hands, wear your mask. You know. Uh, but then the the other stuff is real specifics to this event. We, uh, I filled in, so to leave the country, you have to have a letter of permission to leave country. You have to have the British fencing letter to leave the country. You have to have your PCR test. Then you had to fill in another one for the Spanish Health, Health Authority. When we got to the desk, Iberia insisted that we had to have a letter from the Federation with our name and our passport and our flight details on it, despite the fact I had the invitation and I had our transfers and our hotel bookings and everything. So at 10 past eight this morning, we're phoning the Spanish saying we need this in 20 minutes, otherwise we're not getting on the flight. It's, it's, we couldn't find it anywhere. It's not, it's not on the Spanish um, embassy website, but Iberia. So they, they use the, we will get fined if we let you go. So we do that when we get in, then we, so that that's the first test. Then we arrive in, we haven't eaten since this morning. We're shipped off to a hotel. The most aggressive testing I've ever had in terms of the, 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 the swabs down my nose. 
Then we go back to the hotel, we stay in our rooms, we hopefully get our uh, liberation tomorrow morning. Uh, we just had the, the worst packed lunch ever delivered. We wait for that. Um, so uh, then we sit till tomorrow morning, then we go back to get our once we get so we have to go online in the morning put in our code to check that our tests are negative then we get on a bus we go and get our accreditation then we check in to put in a time and a date for our test to leave so that's the tricky one you know when do you get tested so say susan seek is leaving on sunday now luckily she's gone back to italy but she has to have a test within 48 hours of leaving so she's fencing on saturday so does she, does she get her test done tomorrow night and go through all that process, which is so she's got to get to another hotel to get tested, uncomfortable process, come back in, get ready for the or does she then risk it and do it directly afterwards? So that everything, so you do that, you get your test, then you, you hopefully get out. When, before you leave, you have to fill in a passenger locator form for the government to tell them when you're coming home. You have to book and pay for two more tests for day two and day eight when you get home, uh, that's another £200. If you want, you have the option to book a day five test, which you will get tested on day five when you're home, and that will let you out on day day six, but you still have to do, do day eight tests. So there's four tests, that's £400 per person. A quarter of our budget is on testing for this event. you know. So, so kind of like in the middle of that is a fencing competition somewhere, and... Uh, you know, it, it, listen, we're privileged. We're here. You know, we're out of the country. We're at an event for the Olympics. Let's not, let's not present. We're, you know, we're not saving lives here, but it's, it's just a layer of stress. And I do think it's, you know, the, 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 the challenge of, we went through it in Doha and it was challenging there because there was a lot of chaos just in the region we were in. Um, there's a, what it, what it looks like is each country is bringing its own version of their protocols to this competition, to every competition. So Russia has a different way of dealing with it. Um, France, Egypt. Etc. So what you're getting is you're getting this mass of people coming together with a protocol, but interpreting it as they would interpret at home. So some people don't really care about masks. We are we are very, very good at protocol. We're washing things. We change, you know, we, we, we all have been issued with masks. We've been issued with visors. We've been through our protocol. It, and as I, I'm tired speaking of this, is just what we do, you know. So that this morning you kick into team manager role of sense. Okay, guys, keep calm. Then you're phoning people to get them onto the embassy. Do you need to speak to the embassy? Then you get, as I say, you get the 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 guy Jesus in Spain. He's getting the call from me saying, "I need this in twenty minutes." Oh, yeah, no problem. That comes through. Do you need it printed? Where can you get it printed? You know, do you need to? And then eventually you get you get a supervisor who. And I'm able to say to her, look, can I talk you through the process? She goes, well, actually, that makes sense. You go, yeah, could have done. And then what they do is then they write on you, they write on your boarding pass in pen, uh, uh, documents okay. So I'm thinking, I'll bring a red, I bring, I'll bring a red pen and I bring a black pen, and I can write documents okay. Yeah, it's so so it, it's it, it's just like and it, you know, it's like, and it, it's when you when we come back from Doha. Then you you know there are people who are going to have to get isolated. There's people who can go home. Then everyone goes and collects their bags together. You kind of go. <laughs> so it it's it is it's it. Yeah. My job is to try and take care of that process. So again, with Shelley's help and with Georgina's help in particular, let's get it all sorted before we leave. Let's get it all done before we leave, so that we have wiggle room, as I would call it, to deal with this stuff when it happens, and to try and not worry the athletes about it but you're in a hotel how do we get food in 
you know, so they have nothing set up here to get water, to get bananas, to get anything in. We're dependent on a packed lunch, which is not made for athletes. So there's another layer of stress. You know, I ordered some food in the hotel and it was not the best chicken burger and chips ever. So, you know, athletes are, our guys are great. Everyone knows what they eat. So so we're bringing, I bought a kettle, little portable kettle with me. I've bought, you know, lots of muesli. I've bought stuff. So my, half of my, my luggage is now food and stuff to get me through. Because if my test doesn't come back in time, I could be in here for two or three days. But again, you know, have to have to have to context that we are lucky to be here. But that's in answer to your question. That's the layer of stuff for this trip. The layer of stuff for the guys who have been training under the elite uh, uh, guidance. They have to fill in three forms every day online before they come to training. They have to fill in their temperature. They have to give a report afterwards. They have to sign up in the week in advance. You know, they have to not step outside of the, they have to agree to not go out of a social bubble. They have to tell us how they travel to training. They have to tell us how long they're taking. They have to tell us if there's been any change. You know, they have to sign up to the the, um, the app Kate Beardmore got binged in all day by somebody who she'd never met. Could have been the other end of the store, but she had to do five, seven days in quarantine because somebody in the store tested positive somewhere. I got binged when I got back from Doha because somebody in my plane had a, the, the, a new strain, you know, 10 days quarantine from that. And in the middle of it, some fencing somewhere trying to qualify for the, the biggest sporting event of your life. Yeah, in amongst all that, it must almost be difficult to remember this. there is some fencing going on at, at some point, hopefully. Yeah, that's my job is to make sure we just deflect all of that stuff for, for our guys and uh, give them the best chance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So looking forward to the games, obviously there's been a few announcements already about, uh, well, no no foreign spectators um, and and rumours circulating, who knows how true that may, maybe no spectators at all. Um, clearly it's going to be a different games from, from what we've grown used to. Um, I mean, you, you've been to a couple of Olympic games yourself and no doubt would look at look back on those as being you know, some of the... Some of the best days of your life, perhaps. Well, the, yeah, in terms absolutely. Of an, an experience. Yeah, the, to the experience of the, you know, trying to keep your focus on competing and then enjoying the best party in the world. You know, that, that it is just amazing. You're you're in a, you know, if you do the numbers, there are what seventy billion people in the world, and every four years, fifteen thousand of the world, eleven thousand athletes get to go to the games. You know, so it's 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 an incredible privilege and it's an incredible family to be part of. It's going to be very different this time. The dates we have at the moment are uh, we will go into country on probably the 15th, 16th of July. Um, we will then go to the, uh, uh, the British, British, uh, so British Olympic Association have a prep camp and then they have the performance lodge. So you go to the prep camp, you do your final preparation and then you go into the performance lodge. When you move into the village, and we will go in. Marcus competes on the 26th. So I will go into the village on probably the 21st, 22nd. Marcus come in a day later. Um, then what they do is they transfer that we send out a piece. The piece moves from the, um, uh, it moves into the performance lodge for the days that you're in the village. And then you train in the performance lodge or the venue, depending on, on what the what the process is. And then you normally finish there's no team event, obviously. So, so Marcus will be finished with his medal around his neck on the night of the 26th. And he has to leave the country within 48 hours of that competition finishing. I will leave with him on the, on the 40, within 48 hours. The coach and Maria, the physio, so Dan and Maria will have to leave the next day. So it's just in and out. It's actually just not going to be very different to a normal competition. 
Um, but you know, we we've bought into that. We've scenario planned. Uh, we the focus is is about the medal as it as it always as as always was and always will be. Um, we've done an awful lot of work on uh, how we work as a unit. You know, so I've been privileged to travel with Marcus over the last two years, and Maria has been part of the team as has Dan. And we've worked out. We've done a lot of uh, a lot of work, uh, deep psychological work, psychological work, and a lot of just scenario planning with ourselves as to how we work, who supports who, when, and and uh, so so we're comfortable with that. The variable is uh, if one of us goes sick, if something happens, if you so you know you arrive in. There's a protocol of your testing in the fourteen days before. Uh, you know the challenge of Marcus is where where does he go to do his final preparation if it's not in the states if we want to go somewhere else you know so uh, before uh, Doha he wasn't able to go anywhere else because he's in America there's restrictions for travel there and um, getting then if he goes to Italy he has to quarantine for a week what does that do to his performance uh, so yeah it, it's 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 just a, it's a chat we 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 have a plan and like with the competitions the the, the, the process we've had all year is worked to the competition date so we worked towards Tokyo in December it was then cancelled we worked towards Paris in January it was cancelled so we train the block as normal and then we decompress whenever the block hasn't happened when the competition hasn't happened but we stick to process so we pick up the next block when Marcus has had his rest as if he'd competed now obviously that's a big piece that's missing but we try and recreate as much of that in training um and then when we go into country for the games, it will be that much more uh, refined. We we will be in a bubble. We won't be able to go out. There. So there'll be no visiting Tokyo. There'll be no visiting getting in cabs. There'll, no, there'll be nothing outside of we we were discussing probably staying out of the venue, out of the village. Sorry, closer to the venue. We've decided to stay in village. So you get, you have to be in the village to be tested. We think potentially every day. Um, and then you go to your venue. Uh, you don't get in. You don't leave the bubble. So there's going to be a, a British Olympic Association bubble within a bubble, uh, and you're not then. So you you're not supposed to leave that bubble. So what that does in terms of interaction is it going to be that your bubble is by the athletes who are on your floor that you're staying of the, of the apartment. We're kind of working through that. BOA are doing an amazing job. The detail the, the detail they have is incredible, but the the detail on this is just staggering. I'm privilege again to sit in on the calls there's another one next week and the, the the amount of work that is done on that but obviously the big bit that's missing is no one's been able to get in on the ground i was due to go i was actually due to go to tokyo directly from anaheim last year didn't happen and i was due to go to tokyo directly after doha this year it didn't happen so while i've seen the venue having done the the test event i haven't done the travel i haven't looked you know done any of that stuff so i'm kind of going a blip i haven't been to the performance lodge i haven't been to the hotel that we would stay in while we're doing that i haven't been to the prep camp so there's a there's a lot of that is just going to be trusting and making it up as we go along and and you know those are the things that marcus's job when he gets there and dan's job is just not worry about anything fencing get in get done and, and the, normally what what you can do is you can you can just you know completely ignore all the stuff that's distraction. So fencing's quite early in the program. So we were lucky enough that each time I went to the Olympics, we had 10, 11 days afterwards to go and watch. I saw both hundred meter finals. I saw the basketball. You know, I ate more food than I've ever seen. You go into you go into you know the the, the uh, 
the, the canteen is the size of two football pitches and you can eat everything all day long. So you just see people ballooning weight, there's free ice cream and there's free Coke. So you have to, you know, normally you avoid that stuff. And then once you're finished, you just totally enjoy it. But that bit's going to be gone. Um, what Even the, the medal ceremonies, they're not quite sure whether those will be live or they will be in a studio somewhere. You know, so the, the, the press, number of press cut being cut back. So that's going to be a different process. But as I have absolute faith, the BOA are amazing. Elaine, who we work with directly, and, and uh, Mike and Mark England are the guys we work with. They, they just, the process is, is, is just knowing, knowing what they don't know, if that makes sense. They're doing an amazing job on it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird games, but I'm still I'm still enormously looking forward to them and uh very much looking forward to uh Marcus producing another another big result and uh hopefully more Brits joining yep, joining that, him that's, uh, that's after that's this it. weekend. Yeah, that, that's the job on Monday, you know. Hopefully we have another couple of names in the hat and then we have to make sure they're gonna get their kit and we've got to make sure that we've got all their details and we make sure that they you know, we there's just another layer of stuff to be done there. Um that'll be a lot of work, but that's work I'll be very happy to do, you know, if we're bringing more people yeah. and, and then we have all our visas and forms and yeah, lot, lots of just stuff. Um uh, but if we have to do that, that will be uh, I'd be quite happy to be doing that on Monday morning. Yeah, I'll bet. Johnny, well, thanks very much for uh, taking the time out. I mean, I know you're not disappearing off to the pub or anything. That's not really an option no. for you. So, no. uh, you know, that may be not the worst option that you had, but, you know. No, no, it's good. It's lovely. It's, it's, it's really good. And, and well done for you guys for keeping the uh, keeping the, the, the information coming to people because I think that's been very difficult for those who follow fencing. You know, it, it, it's every, everyone in the community uh, is is just suffering and struggling. And it's it's important, I think, it's really important for for people in my privileged position to be able to communicate that. I think that I think we have to make sure we don't underestimate how how, how privileged we are, how important it is from where I sit to let people see the inside on that. And you know, if there's anything more we can we can do, then obviously keen to keen to communicate that out. Great. Well, Johnny, thanks very much for for taking the time and uh, the very best of luck to you and the and the British team out there in, in Madrid and hoping for a, a thoroughly successful weekend. Thank you very much.